I used to be a very punctual person. Then I had kids. And uh, being punctual when you have kids is really something. Somewhat of a challenge. Yeah, and then when you're self-employed and nobody cares what time you show up for work, it's kind of hard to get there on time. What happened to this thing? But it's evil. So, here we are. Sunday morning in the bucolic splendor of northeast Kansas. The snow glinting off the trees. Our toes are numb. At least mine are. So, when I was a kid, I used to uh, ride my bike in, in the snow in the teens. When it was, you know, I, I don't know, it was like a mile and a half to school or something like that. But I didn't want to ride the bus. And so just had my tennis shoes and a coat. No gloves. I didn't wear gloves because I was too, too picky for gloves. Uh, baseball cap because I was too picky for a winter hat. Beanies weren't cool when I was in junior high, you see. So, so now whenever it gets cold, my toes and my fingers just freeze. And then they don't really warm back up. So, welcome to getting older. You know, when I was a kid, I was I was too cool to wear a coat. I thought, well, why would I wear a coat? I'm only going to be outside for like five minutes. And I got into my mid-twenties and I realized, you know, it's cold outside. I'm going to put a coat on. So my, my parents are proud of me. So, so here we are. Jesus, we thank you for this day for all that you've done for us, for bringing together this family and uh, uh, bringing us to this place uh, where your spirit meets with us and where your word speaks to us. And God, we just uh, bind the flesh and the carnal mind this morning. We loose your spirit, God. I pray ears to hear for every person in this place. God, that we would receive the things that you have to say to us, God, and that you would channel my thoughts and say exactly what it is that, that you're wanting to say. And in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Does anyone else think that's deafening? Okay, thank you. Good. I always wanted to come over here and play with the knobs. La 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 la. Is that better? Much better? Okay, good. funny because usually I feel like I'm having to talk really loud because I don't have quite the uh, the awesome voice that Ron does. A little thin and reedy. Then he gets up here and, whoa. So, one, of, one of my favorite moments over the last 20 years that I've been here was this time that uh, Ron started singing Blue Christmas <laughs> in his very best Elvis. And I thought, yep, life is good. Okay, so, you know, Wednesday night Ron was talking about about principalities and spiritual warfare and, and that kind of thing, and, and so I got to thinking about that a little bit, and, and uh, it's funny how little we as a church understand such a crucial subject, you know, and, and uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of 
details that we learn about spiritual warfare as we go along through experience. And so it seems to me that sometimes some of the aspects of it aren't readily apparent as you just read through the Word. But but the Word always is there to, to bring you those answers and confirm those things that, that come across. So principality then, you know, Ron's talked about this, is a is a uh, an area ruled over by a prince. You know, and then the Bible uses the, the term prince a little different than than we do in modern English. You know, when I think prince, I'm thinking Prince Charming, you know, Prince Eric, you know, all those second bananas in the Disney movies. You know, just the the handsome love interest. But but you know the thing about uh, the way that you see the word prince used in the Bible talks about uh, it, it's used almost interchangeably with king, and uh, and so it the the word prince implies this supremacy or supremacy of rulership leadership, and uh, you know I mean the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, in the Book of Acts Peter uh, referred to him as the Prince of Life, and and so. You wouldn't ascribe some title that is less than to Jesus. So, so then, uh, so uh, so then, prince is is kind of a different word than what we think of. But uh, uh, so it's an interesting thing because we have these principalities spiritually, just like we have places physically. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, and I'm sorry if you're from Missouri, but it, when you go to Missouri, have you ever noticed when you cross the border, it just feels different? Yeah. It just feels different. And so you hold your breath, and then you, you cross over into Arkansas or to Illinois or wherever it might be that you're going, and then you, oh, that's better. <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, it's a, a nice way to mispronounce misery, call it Missouri. So sorry, Kevin, if you're listening. But, um, you know, so, said that to say no, but no, but you know, it's it's funny how that happens, and, and so people notice that, you know, and uh, and so um, you know, I think the spirit realm is like that as well, where you know, you just you walk into a place and you think, ew, it's like something stinks in here, but I don't smell anything. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we we feel those things because we're spirit beings. And so we, uh, you know, God is teaching us to deal with those things. And he's teaching us about the authority that we have. Because um, when Jesus uh, healed the centurion's servant, he didn't go to the guy's house. And, uh, you know, he just, he came to him and he's like, you know, you say the word. And I know that this will happen because... I know how authority works. I'm under authority, and so and I, I see the authority that you have, and so I understand that if you say this is going to happen, it's going to happen, and that's that's enough for me. And Jesus marveled that this guy that wasn't uh, from Israel got it, that he understood the who he was and the the authority and the power that he had, you know. And uh, you know, whereas these people in Israel, are like, well, I I, I hope. That would work if I if I if you said it. I mean, uh, you know, Mike would ask me these questions from time to time. Like, so do you, do you really think that uh, you think God is gonna 
make this thing all work out right and and he's got our best interest in mind and it's all going to work? And I would say, well, the correct answer is yes. Like, I cannot tell a lie. Like, how can I how can I answer this honestly without saying the wrong thing? The correct answer is yes. No, but but the thing is, is I've learned that no, it really is yes. Yes, this is going to work out right because I have the word of God as the the final authority on how my life is going to turn out. And so even if the situation turns out different than I would have liked or than I had in mind, it's still within the sovereign will of God and because I know that he's guiding my life and he's directing it. And so come what may, then then he does indeed have my best interest in heart. Go with me to uh, Genesis 32. You guys know about the story of Jacob? How he he uh, had these expectations for his life. Had this he had these he grew up hearing about um, the circumstances of he and Esau's birth and, and the, the things that God had said about them and and uh, and of course his name means supplanter, someone who who takes what they want and puts themselves in that place. It's like I'm going to bump you aside to take your place. It's like playing sorry, except for he didn't really say sorry. He just kind of bumped Esau out of the way and kept on trucking down the road. So, so that's Jacob then. And so then uh, Jacob goes and he lives with Laban for 17 years. It's a long time. And and he he goes and he you know he 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 goes in there with nothing and he comes out with with wives and children and and all kinds of stuff. And uh, but during that time he found out what it was like to have somebody. Uh, give him the shaft, as it were. He found out what it was like to have somebody deal with him in a way that was less than right or less than honest and forthcoming, just like he had done to his brother. So he he reaped that same kind of thing. But in that, God still took care of him and blessed him. And uh, and then, you know, he had met God at Bethel on his way to Laban's house, and 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 he and he. Made him. He made this covenant with God. He's like, if you'll bring me home to that place, then I'll serve to, to where I where I'm leaving from now. Then then I'm, I'm going to serve you. And so, 17 years later, he's got all this substance, and God tells him, now you go home. And he's thinking, okay, the hairy guy is still angry. <laughs> so, uh, I I don't know about going home, particularly, but he really didn't have much choice. So. So he goes home. He's on his way home. And I'm going to start in verse 22. You guys know the story. He sets up uh, uh, his all of his big host of stuff that he and people that he's got with him. And he kind of puts them in ascending order of importance to him. And you all know the story. And so... He's getting ready to meet Esau. He knows he's going to meet him tomorrow. And, uh, you know, this isn't just uh, kind of the eve of an uncomfortable meeting. This is, I might die tomorrow, and, and, and I, need, I need something from God. 
And he rose up that night, verse 22, and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons, and he passed over the fort in Jabbok. And Jabbok means emptying or pouring out. So, so he's coming to this place where he's at the end of himself, where all of his... Um, uh, all of his tricky, subtle, uh, I know how to work a deal kind of ways have, they can't help him now. They've, uh, he's, he's exhausted all of his options. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and he sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone because when you come to those, those places where you're really doing business with God, then you, you do indeed do those things alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So that last shred of ability and strength that he had is now gone as he's wrestled with God through the night. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. Because how else are you supposed to fight God? <laughs> you know, it's like I'm like, well, I, I can't exactly beat you, but I ain't going to let you go either. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up wrestling with Mike, and uh, I don't think I ever beat him. It was always just kind of a matter of how long could I last <laughs> before he beat me. So, you know, so I just, just didn't let go of him, as it were. So I'll not let you go except you bless me. And he says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that you ask after my name? Because he, he knew his name. He's like, you know, you know who I am. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, the face of God. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel as the sun rose upon him, and he halted on his thigh. So he came to this place where he he wrestled through with God through this issue that he had going on, and and he came out of it uh, getting what he needed from God, but he no longer could go on his own strength. You know, we've we've talked about this a lot around here. He couldn't couldn't fight with Esau, nor could he run away anymore. And the thing that I wanted to focus on there that I kind of glossed over is how he says, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Because, as I said, Jacob is the supplanter. It's like, I've, I've bumped you out of my way, and this is my spot now, because that's exactly what he did. But now he says, your name is now going to be Israel, ruling with God. And this is the name that God uh, ascribed to his people. And so that's kind of an interesting thought then ruling with God and, and having power with God. Because he says that as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. So do you have power with God then? Can you, can you go to God when you need something and, and uh, would he get it, give it to you? Not, not because you... Not because you said all the right things, not because you wrestled him down and got his arm behind his back, but because because you're you and because he's him. So does he does he indeed listen to you like that? Indeed he does. 
And so, uh, so then there's this power in God that, that Jacob came to. And you know, you know how the story turns out. He, he goes and, uh, you know, the, the past is the past. Esau is, is like, eh, water under the bridge, brother. You know, and he's just happy to see him again. And so when you think somebody's mad at you and you find out they're not, that's always a relief. And, uh, um, and you know, that's the thing is it's like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe Jacob even tells Esau, it's like, you know what? It's like I, I felt like I, coming to you was like, like I saw the face of God and he was pleased with me. You know, because he fully expected Esau to destroy him because he, he had no other options now but to just trust what God was going to do. And so he came into this place and and Esau was happy to see him and he, and he loved him. And how often do we come into the presence of God with that same sort of expectation? Like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure God has something unpleasant to say to me. I'm sure God's not happy about this, that, or the other thing. I mean, He was there yesterday. I don't know where I was, but there He was. And but you know, God, God loves us. You know, something that Ron said this like last week or so really struck me. He's like, God is not here to do anything negative to anybody. And I, and I, I know that, but just the way He said that, I thought, wow, you couldn't put that any better than that. You know, because for years I came to church with that very expectation that God has something negative to do or say to me. And and to you know, to come into the presence of God and find out, wow, he's he's happy with me. He loves me. And and you know, even if he had something that he wanted to deal with, what's the big deal? It it's a simple matter of get it under the blood, get it under the bridge and then it's done and and you go on happily down the road, you know. When if I have a conflict with my kids, um, and uh, you know, then we we deal with the issues, and then they move on. And I don't keep just bringing it up to them, and and I don't let it ruin the whole rest of the day. It's like, well, you know, yeah, we you know we could have fun right now, but I'm still mad. So no, not so much. You know, leave. Uh, Levi was being a bit crazy yesterday, but then when he wanted to sit down and have me teach him how to play guitar, uh, just kind of out of the blue, I thought, oh, absolutely, let's do that. I had other things I wanted to do, but you know, after about five minutes, I thought, maybe he's too young for this. <laughs> but uh, um, his hands were just a bit small for even the half-size guitar. But, um, you know, so God is, he he's pleased with us like that. And so... Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because we have an adversary that wants to take away your confidence that God is happy with you. Because if you don't think that God is happy with you, then you don't believe that he's going to do for you. You don't believe he's going to come through for you. If you need something uh, or you you ask for something, you pray for something to happen, then your sense of believing that it's going to happen is probably not going to be there. And it's more of this desperate sort of plea rather than, you know what, I'm just going to go ask. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. So from the very beginning then, God intended for us to to rule with him. 
Because he put he put uh, creation under Adam, didn't he? He put Adam over the animals, put Adam over all the stuff. And so that was his his intention from the very beginning. I'm going to be in chapter 1. I'm going to have to figure out where is a good place to start. I, I am sort of drifting back that way. My note says 17, but um, how many of you know that Ron will tell you a verse and then he goes way, way back and may or may not even get to the verse he told you about? Okay, why not? One. <laughs> okay, so Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. The saints which are at Ephesus sent to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a nice greeting, isn't it? It's like you come into church, grace be to you. You know, instead of, you know, kind of coming in with your tail tucked between your legs, you know, kind of, you know, that, that look that a dog gets when you like kind of point, point something at their face. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So then there's those principalities again, aren't there? There's that, that, that place in the spirit realm. He's blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And, uh, you know, that, that, that heavenly places, that's not, that's not the far-off clouds and harps and, and the pearly gates and the streets of gold. This is the spirit realm blessed us with spiritual blessings in that place, in Christ, according as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So did he then reluctantly bring you into the kingdom and make you his child and, and make you a part of his family? No, not at all. He, he had this planned out before you were ever born. And so when you came into this world, then he was rubbing his hands with anticipation. Like, this is going to be great. You know, when Jeremy was born, I, I got down beside the, the little clear bassinet thing while he's under the little heat lamp that they have there in the, in the hospital. And I was like, well, here you are. I'm not sure I did you any favors bringing you into this world, but here you are nonetheless. And... And uh, so I just kind of told him a little bit about life and and about Jesus. I thought, well, let's just get this started off right off the bat. So, yep. So he's he's turned out quite well, in spite of me. So uh, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Man, I'm glad I went back to the beginning of this chapter. In whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to the good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, 
being predestinated according to the purpose of him that works all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So that's what your life is about then, is bringing glory to, to God because the world can see in you the, the love and the grace of God. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, whom after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, so you're sealed then. So that's a that's a good thing. When you seal something up, then it's 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 inaccessible to anybody who would mess with it. Then isn't it? You know, I uh, I bought Cynthia a rather expensive uh, shiny rock this week, and uh, they uh, I, well I made a down payment on it rather, and so they sealed it away. And Mike asked me, well, do you have pictures of it? I thought, no. I didn't take a picture of it, so I went back, and I asked her to unseal this little stone, and so I took some pictures, and then they sealed it away again, and so, so, so nobody can, nobody else can come decide that that they like it and that they want to buy it. It's mine, so, you know, you know, and it's a precious thing too because we get we get so Twitter pated about how you know what does God think about me. All the while, we're standing at the black counter at the jewelry store. You know what I mean? And and he's thinking, well, I was actually thinking of buying you this really pretty ring and then getting down on one knee and asking you to marry me. Is that okay? I mean, does that kind of give you an idea of what I think about you? Or so so God, you know, God, He loves us like that. And and so God is is just building this case for why you can have confidence. In the authority that that he's given you, that you can trust him, that you can trust his name, you can trust his word, in whom you also trusted, verse 13, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase, possession unto the praise of his glory. So that's just the the, the the here and the now then is just the earnest of our inheritance, that spirit that he's put inside of us and the, the that that joy and that keeping of his presence. Uh, one time uh, Mike and I were at work and it was a late day, long day, rather unpleasant. And the uh, my uh, respirator had long since ceased to function and I was spraying some uh, lacquer. And I, I said, just think, man, we get all this in heaven too. And I was serious. And he just looked at me like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> He's like, it's like 6 o'clock and we're 90 miles from home. What do you mean we get all this in heaven too? <laughs> Shouldn't it be at least we get heaven? <laughs> no, but, but God knows how to make life sweet. And, and he puts that spirit inside of us. And, and, and it's the very... Just that little down payment of, of what God has promised for you. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks to you or for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now here's where I was actually going. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So here he's talking about 
his our inheritance, but he's also talking about his inheritance. So what, what is he saying his inheritance is then? Is us. That's right. Very good. See, repetition works. And what is the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So there's those heavenly places again, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So, so then this sovereign power of God then, you know, he, he raised Christ from the dead and uh, set him at, at his own right hand and he's far above all principalities. So, so we have indeed those principalities and, and there are, there are those places that you go that you think, ooh, who would be the prince over this place? Because this place feels icky. But you know that far above that, the ruler of that principality is, is Christ, who is far above all principality and all power. And this word power, it's interesting because there's different words that all are just translated power in the English, but they're, they're different words with different connotations in the Greek. And this, this particular word is, um, has, to be, has to do with being first, this, this power is, uh, um, you know, like you see, like in the Catholic Church, they have the, the archbishop, and that, that prefix is where this word comes from. There is where this, that comes from this word, I mean, that, that he's the, he would be the first then, the, the over all the other bishops is this guy. And so, uh, but it has to do with preeminence, and it has to do with uh, authority, so it's the, the, the very authority of all these principalities, all the, the ability, the, the preeminence of all these principalities. He's over all of those things. And dominion, might and dominion. I mean, I, mean I, I think he pretty much wrapped everything up there and put it all underneath the feet of Christ. And then he says, and he put, him under, he put all those things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So... So then if we are connected to him, if he's the head and we're the body, then all those things would be under who? You. So so all those things then uh, are, are underneath your feet. So what the enemy is after then is to make you not really want to take hold of that or not or afraid to take hold of that. You know, I've, I've talked before about how I'm, I'm like the type who sees the free candy bowl and I, I just kind of pass it by because that would seem presumptuous to just, you know, what if somebody came out and was like, hey, what are you doing? You know, I, I don't know. If I had a dime for every time that uh, I needed water at work, needed a bucket of water, and I had to go to some house where someone lived that was nearby and just hope that they didn't yell at me. I mean, eventually I just I would just knock on the door, but you'd get those people that would like, how Dare you steal a nickel's worth of my water? You know, and, and uh, I mean, if I, you know, and so I thought, you know, 
much as I hate to bother these people, I'm going to knock on the door and see if there's nobody there. And if there's nobody there, then I'm going to bring five buckets and I'm going to fill them all up. <laughs> but, you know, that sense of, well, I wouldn't want to presume that, you know, you know you just, I just want to look at those people. Do you have any idea who I am? <laughs> and <laughs> they would say no. And I would say, okay. I, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, um, bye. No, but what the enemy wants is for you to not take hold of the fact that you are part of that royal lineage, that you are part of that that ruling class in the in those heavenly places, and and so where you are, you're in charge, and so you know. The enemy wants to come in and uh, make all his little threatening noises and and look all mean and everything. It's like, nah, this is my place. You can't come in here. You know, it comes banging on the door. It's like, nah. You know, I, I like, you know, back in medieval Europe, they had, you know, these big impregnable fortresses. And they would have these guys on the wall with like a cauldron of boiling oil and arrows and all kinds of unpleasant things. It's like, you're not getting in here. And 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 so is your house. The enemy comes banging on the door, you're not getting in here. This is my house. And and I have the power and the authority of the kingdom of heaven behind me telling you you are not coming in. You know, when a, a policeman is going to give you a speeding ticket, you know, you'd like to argue with him, but it's not him that's giving you the ticket. It's the government and the authority behind him that's giving you the ticket. And so, you know, you probably don't want to really get into that over a hundred bucks. It'd probably be better to just pay it. And and so, so you, so you understand then that he has authority that's beyond just him. It's not just this man standing here. And and so that's what the enemy doesn't want you to figure out that that where you stand. The, the very power of God is behind you. And, and, and so you have that same kind of power. And so we wrestle to get it. We, we wrestle to come into that place of really taking hold of it that, it, that it belongs to me. You know, Paul wrestled with the beast at Ephesus to these very, at this very place where he's writing to this church. And, and so uh, when he, he came across... Or you know the the book of Acts tells us about the the seven sons of Siva and how they they went to cast the spirit out of the sky and he said well Jesus I know and Paul I know but I don't know about you and so you're certainly going to go through things where your authority is going to be challenged and and so uh, so we stand on that just like when Jesus told that that spirit you come out of that kid and he throws him on the ground and starts throwing a big fit and Jesus just ignored it. Like well, I told you you're coming out. You're coming out, and and that's that's the end of that. And and so so y- your authority then will be tested because you'll you know the enemy will come knocking on the door and you tell him no, but then he doesn't just go away. And he's like, oh, I'm still here. I'm, you you just think I'm just going to leave just like that? It's like well, maybe not, but you are going to leave, and you're not coming in. And so, like, I have three little kids. If you think you can stand out there and bother me long enough to get me to give in, you're wrong. 
I can outlast you. So, it's like, you think you can wear me down? I will wear you down. So, in fact, I may just call out, call out the army on you. It's like, if you don't feel like going, if you don't think you're going to go away, then I'll get somebody else. And then we'll have two of us here. And then we'll see how you feel about that. And if, you're, if you still think you're going to hang around and try and make me nervous, I'll call somebody else. We'll call somebody else. And we'll call somebody else. And we will nuke you off the face of the earth. <laughs> so that's the kind of power and authority that the church ha- should have. That, that, that we, we must understand that, that we have this kind of power. It's like that song, the Sensational Nightingale, saying we just can't be defeated can't the only way the devil can beat you is if you let him when i used to wrestle with mike the only way i could beat him is if he would have let me (laughs) which he didn't in fact pretty much everything we played was like that growing up playing chess with him is like boxing with an octopus so so in ephesians 2 and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all also had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. So he's saying, you know, we've all been in that place where we all came from this other principality, this other kingdom. We, we've all had our time in that place, in uh, being under the dominion of the enemy's camp because we, we came from the world, yes? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there he is again. He's bringing us up into that spirit place. So he's taken us out of this principality and he's put us over here in this one. So he's, he's translated us from one kingdom to another. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So he's already got this stuff all set up, and all we got to do is walk it out. If you were if you were in Georgia, you know what I'm talking about. You know, Nonpet was talking about how it's like we got the finished product right here, and then God backs up over here, and, and he so he's already proclaimed the outcome here, and then we're gonna go back here, and we're gonna grab onto that line that connects us from there to there, and we're just gonna walk it out. And, and all that time, the enemy just wants you to drop the rope. But you think, no. It's like, don't you know who I am? I'm not dropping the rope. You're not going to make me drop the rope. Uh, go with me to um, Colossians 2. I've got just a few more things. I'm going to read 10 through 15. Just 10 through 15. You know, I, I, I kind of I had two more scriptures that I sort of tacked on to the end of this that just seemed too good to leave off. 
and uh, and I was kind of thinking of it as a kind of just a well, yeah, but I, I I don't know, you know, if all this is really for me, and I just I don't know. Verse ten, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom you also are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism wherein you are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So he's he's got you right alongside him. He's taking you down the same road, the same thing that he's doing, same thing he did, you're doing it. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. This is what I wanted to get to. Nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing them over them in it. You know, I know in football they will penalize you for grandstanding, for spiking the ball and doing the chicken dance. But I think that's kind of what he's talking about here. It's like, you know what, I beat everything like I, I I won the game, you know, and so he's got this stadium full of of uh, people with no shirt on screaming and it's 20 degrees out, but 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 man, he defeated everybody. He spoiled principalities and powers in, with the cross, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it in the cross. So. With that in mind, go back to Ephesians with me over to chapter 6. And I'm just going to read, no, yes, just verse 12. No. Okay, 10. You, you guys all know this. I mean, you guys could probably uh, just say this right along with me without even going there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His might, not your might. That's where your authority and your power comes from, is from him. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is what I want to read. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. But what did he just say about principalities and powers over here? I want to read that one more time nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. So those things that you wrestle with are all defeated already. And and so it's simply a matter of uh, just holding on and and wrestling through and knowing that the authority of the Word of God trumps every every feeling, every thought, every every uh, thing that the enemy would bring against you is all under his feet because he is far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and and he has spoiled principalities and powers, triumphed over them in the cross. So. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, it's hard to just not read that whole passage. You kind of have to. But that's the thing, is, you know, Ron tells a story about the uh, they, they trained the hunting dog to fight the bear, but the bear was already mortally wounded. You know, he referenced that Wednesday night. And that's that's just it. It's like you're fighting a vanquished foe, and and uh, he, all he wants to do is get you spooked enough that you'll let him take you down with him. And and you have this power in God because we are we are His people. We're His body, and so from the very beginning of creation, He intended for you and I to rule with him and and we're most certainly under him don't don't misunderstand me you know we we are uh we don't rule apart from him or equal with him we're we're under his authority and being under his authority and dominion is how we exercise that authority just like the centurion talked about with jesus like you know i i say i tell this guy you go and he goes you, you do this and he does it but he's like but i do what i'm told like I, I'm in, I'm under authority. These guys are under authority, and and it all works nicely all the way to the top. And so then, uh, so then we are under the authority of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, far above all principality and power, might, and dominion. And so, in that authority, we simply cannot be defeated. So Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word to us. God, I just lose faith in this place and I bind every doubt and every everything that would come against your people. Lord God, what we pray is that, um, that you would just rise up inside of us, that spirit that you've put inside of us to take hold of these things. Lord God, that uh, uh, we would not allow the enemy to take anything from us, Lord God, but that we would stand. God, David was incensed when Goliath came and defied your army. Lord God, and I pray that you would put that same kind of heart in every one of us. How dare they say that against this this person that is a part of the army of God, of the body of Christ. How dare you say that against me? I am part of the body of Christ. And God, I just pray that you would do these things in us as only you can do. Accomplish your will. Accomplish your work. God, I, I just commit all of us into your hands for that very purpose. And I know that you're going to get it done. And God, we just pray that you would have your perfect way in the service today and do as only you can do in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.